case for argument is Jaber v. Holder. Ms. Shepard? Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the Court, my name is Shannon Shepard, and I am here representing the petitioner for us, Jaber, in his immigration matter. Mr. Jaber petitions for your review of the denial of his asylum claim. Mr. Jaber is originally from Nablus in the Palestinian Authority, and while he was there, Mr. Jaber refused to join the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Now, he was a member of Fatah, the record shows, so it's not that he was unaffiliated, he's a Fatah member. That's correct, Your Honor, and Mr. Jaber testified that he joined the Fatah party because he believed that they were more reasonable and more willing to come to what we call a two-state solution, which would allow Israel and the Palestinian territories to coexist. The PIJ, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which tried to recruit him, has the opposite belief. Mr. Jaber's refusal to join them constitutes both a political and a religious stance that opposes their goals and their doctrines. And can you review the specific evidence that shows that the members of the PIJ knew Jaber was a member of Fatah or any other peace movement? Well, Mr. Jaber testified on numerous occasions that he told his attackers or the people who tried to recruit him that he was for peace and that he believed that they were not living the way that Muslims should, that he had a more tolerant view of the Islamic religion. This is in his testimony at pages 142 to 159 in the record, and also in his personal statement. He went into some detail about how he told them that. Are you relying at all on this explanatory statement issued by the Islamic Jihad, beware of rogue sources of discord? And this was a statement I believe you're referring to that was found by his mother's door after he left for the United States. And was that before the immigration judge? Was that letter before the immigration judge? Well, the explanatory statement. Yes, Your Honor. It was also referred to in his testimony, and it was part of the record. The Islamic Jihad movement. Is this, you know, in Gaza, there are groups that are actually more extreme than Hamas. Is this one of them? Yes, this is a more extreme group than Hamas. Mr. Jaber also disagrees with Hamas's views on what should be done with the Palestinian territories, but the particular people who persecuted him and who beat him on several occasions were, to his knowledge, not part of Hamas, but rather part of the PIJ. And his refusal to join them, as I was saying, constitutes a political and a religious stance. Now, this is not a case of being targeted by recruitment by ordinary rebels. These extremists have very well-defined objectives, which stem from extreme political and religious views. 
And only... By the time they sent their missive, their explanatory statement, they no longer wanted to recruit him. And that was after he left already, Your Honor. And so that speaks to his well-founded fear of future persecution, which is if he returns, now not only do they not want him, but they are aware of his opposition to their movement, which puts him in grave danger. And even when, going back to the point about just wanting to swell their numbers, which is one of the things that the immigration judge said, that it wasn't necessarily because of his religion, it was because, or his politics, it was because they wanted, the PIJ wanted to increase their numbers. But they didn't want to just increase their numbers with anyone. He didn't say, I don't want to work for you because, you know, you don't pay enough or something, or I don't have time for political activities. He actually gave a reason which indicated disagreement. Correct, Your Honor. He said he was for peace and that he did not believe that they were living the way that Muslims should. He is also a Muslim himself, but he believes in a more tolerant and liberal construction of the Islamic faith. And that is where the PIJ and other extremist groups would disagree with him on that point. And when he told them this, they didn't say, okay, well, no problem, you don't have to join us. They, in fact, beat him, and on one occasion severely enough so that he had to be hospitalized. So to say that this was not connected to a protected ground, to me, is counterintuitive. The very reason for their being is their political and religious objectives. And they're so inextricably linked that you can't separate it and say it's just a lawless gang of rebels who want to take over the country, which was, you know, the case in some of the other forced recruitment cases. The beating does seem to be a strange way to persuade you to join the group. Well, I think the beating was meant more as a punishment or a warning for his statements. And, yes, you're right, that wouldn't really warm me up to join a group if they decided to beat me when I said no. But, you know, again, this is their extreme views and their use of intimidation in order to try to get Mr. Jaber to sort of change his beliefs. And it's only by changing his religious and political beliefs that he's going to be able to join this group. And that's something that is at the very heart of asylum law. That is his right is to not change those views. And these are protected grounds that, you know, have long been the crux of asylum law in the United States. You might want to comment for a minute on whether your position is consistent with the Supreme Court's treatment of joining or being recruited by factions in Elias Zacharias. It is. You know, this case can be distinguished from Elias Zacharias and, like I said, other forced recruitment cases because there was less of a nexus in those cases to these political and religious stances. So you're saying factually distinguishable. Yes, Your Honor, factually distinguishable. These are more similar to the instant case is more similar to this court's holding in Martinez Bonita versus Holder. Because like the petitioner there, 
Here, there was evidence in Mr. Jaber's testimony and his statements that the PIJ viewed his refusal to join them as a political and religious stance. And taking all of his testimony and the evidence as true, which the immigration judge did accept his testimony and specifically said he found him to be credible, that his refusal to join them was, in fact, a political and religious stance, and therefore they were aware of it, and he is in danger because of it if he is returned there. It's also similar to the Gomez v. Gonzalez case for the same reason, where in that case the petitioner was being threatened to change his beliefs, which is effectually what they were doing with the beatings and the attacks that they put onto Mr. Jaber. In addition, the Convention Against Torture claims are relevant here because although it wasn't at the hands of the government, which the current Palestinian Authority is under the control of Hamas, he didn't allege that it was members of Hamas who attacked him. However, the PIJ is demonstrably an organization that can't be controlled by Hamas or by any government in the area. And based on the country conditions at the time, his fear, and especially the current country conditions with what's happening there now, it does make his fears reasonable both subjectively and objectively. And I'd like to reserve some time for rebuttal if there are no other questions. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Ms. Shepard. Ms. McKinney? Good morning. May it please the Court, my name is Catherine McKinney, and I represent the respondent in this matter. Substantial evidence in the record supports the agency's determination. But the immigration judge didn't even mention the threats. He seems to treat this as a case in which, you know, they try to recruit someone and they get angry because, you know, he doesn't want to work for them. But in fact, they beat him up because they discover he's really an enemy and not just someone who doesn't have time to join their party. And then, of course, there's this very ominous message from Islamic Jihad. He doesn't even discuss those things. Your Honor, with respect to the... I don't see how you can defend it, actually. He just doesn't discuss the key evidence. Well, Your Honor, with respect to the premise, the immigration judge did issue a lengthy decision in which he listed the evidence. We've read the immigration judge's decision, and he doesn't talk about the beatings, and he certainly doesn't talk about the statement issued by Islamic Jihad. There's no hint of his thinking. And obviously, as you well know, if he doesn't say it, you can't say it. And, Your Honor, just with respect to that premise, the immigration judge did list the evidence submitted to him, and he did mention that the evidence included, I believe on two occasions, two letters... Are you saying that immigration judges satisfy their obligation if they just make a list of evidence and they don't talk about it at all? No, but this court... All he says in terms of... He says on page 11, there is nothing in the record to show that members of the Islamic Jihad were targeting the respondent because he was a member of another group, the Fatah group. And then there's this testimony about his mother, 
and the court believes that the motivation, this is now over on page 12, simply to have the respondent join their ranks, you know, beating the tar out of him, you know, to the point that he has to be hospitalized. This judge believes the respondent simply was beaten because he refused to join the ranks of the Islamic Jihad. That, I've read you his whole analysis. There's not a word about what he thinks of this document, whether he, you know, what weight should be given to it. There's actually another document from Fatah that identifies by name Mr. Jabbar and his brother. None of that. Your Honor, the immigration judge does mention that the evidence was submitted and then proceeds to explain why he found that this evidence wasn't sufficient. But there's not a word of engagement with this theory. There's not a word of engagement with the fact that once they find out Mr. Jabbar is, in fact, an adherent of the philosophy followed by Fatah, indeed he's a member, that what you do with people like that is you don't have them join your ranks. You beat them up. Maybe you kill them. There is actually a discussion on the record. I don't have it before me right now. But when the immigration judge is questioning the petitioner, when he's providing his testimony, and he's asking him to explain the significance of both letters submitted, I believe Mr. Jabbar's response was both letters are the same, responding to both the letter that his brother received on his behalf from Fatah and the letter purportedly from PIJ. In his opinion, though. He doesn't rely on it. And, of course, the board repeats this, right? And it is a 300-page record. Yes, I know. But he's supposed to write an opinion. And the opinion ignores evidence. Now, he said he's credible, right? He said that Jabbar is credible. Well, he did say he's credible. But whether or not he's credible doesn't. Your office's view seems to be if it's anywhere in the administrative record, even if the immigration judge doesn't say a word about it in the opinion, you can pull it out. But that's not your job. It's the immigration's job to assimilate what's in the record and to write an opinion that states the reason basis for the conclusion. Actually, that's not my opinion. I mean, I think that raises two separate questions. The first is when an immigration judge makes a determination and then says this determination is supported by this evidence, after I've already recounted what evidence is before me, is there compelling evidence in the record to compel a contrary? What is the statement? The statement, Your Honor, actually, I think it actually begs the question. I don't think that the statement itself says. It begs the question. I'm not sure that the statement actually speaks at all to the previous attack or mentions Fatah. It's rather vague. It calls him rogue sources of discord and calls upon individuals to reject or persecute him. It's a threatening letter. It's named, and it's explained that the reason why he is a rogue and so on is his political views, his attack, the Mujahideen and so on. That's perfectly clear. Now, this is smoking gun evidence. You'd think that completely ignored by the board and completely ignored by the immigration judge in his analytic part of his opinion. Now, how can he ignore that? What do you think of this? I mean, I don't think that it's. What do you think of this? Of the letter? I don't think that. Is this a threat based on a political disagreement? I don't think it's clear from that, and I don't think that a threatening letter. How can it not be clear? What are you talking about? 
I think it's a vague letter that Isn't refers it to... It's vague? It's not vague. We specify in this regard Faris Ali Jaber, who is accused of being a source of disturbance to the national security, especially in Nablus region, and so on and so forth. It's not vague. A source of disturbance to the national security? Spreading false rumors? Known I, I, to us at the intelligence and preventive units? Well, with respect God to is not unaware of your injustice. He's a traitor. He's a traitor. He must be rejected and persecuted and his family be blockaded, whatever that exactly is. I think this letter... doers will indeed know their future fate. And this is from the military wing of the Islamic Jihad movement. And you say this is, uh, this is ambiguous. That's ridiculous. How can you say that with a straight face? I, I didn't say it was ambiguous. I said it was vague. It's quoted in our brief that... Vague. It... What is vague about it? Tell me what is vague. Well, for example, it's not. It's delivered four years after Mr. Jabir left the country. It doesn't relate to the what previous incident. What does that incident. have to do with vagueness? It's not clear to what me. What does it have to do with vague? What does the date of delivery have to do with vagueness? The the document is clear or not clear, whatever it was written. It it refers to some incident where Mr. Jabir is uh, alleged to have said something contrary to militants. It's not clear to me uh, what that refers to. And again, with respect to the question of whether or not the agency Look, you failed to... Your depart look, this is, this immigration, the Immigration Court and the Board of Immigration Appeals are not autonomous agencies. They're part of the Justice Department. The Justice Department shouldn't defend uh, work by these two bodies, the Immigration Court and the Board of Immigration Appeals, that is so terrible. In this instance, I just don't think that this letter is, amounts to uh, compelling evidence contrary to their factual determination in this case. If you got any notification <laughs> vaguely like this from Islamic Jihad, you would flee the country. I mean, this is... We these noticed, are killers. These are murderers. I don't think that the IJ or the BIA disputed dead, that these right? were terrorists. Now, wait, court, what's the ambiguity about that, right? Islamic Jihad, they're not... They're not kidding. I, I think I explained that it, it wasn't clear to me what incident it was referring well, to. What matter does it make? They've decided, for whatever reason, this is an enemy of Islamic Jihad who should be persecuted. What does it matter what particular incident... What this, and again, as I've tried to explain, I think it's two separate questions. Did the agency ignore the evidence? And I've explained that the immigration judge questioned him at length struck by during your the proceedings. interpretation of this as not being... Uh, Clear? A letter that... Well, I'm just comparing it also to other cases. I mean, for example, FARC was at issue in uh, Martinez-Buendia. That's also a terrorist organization. Um, and in that case, the, um, this, this court um, reversed the government. For example, in Puesto uh, Avilla um, and in Gomez, there are other instances where an individual has received... Uh, threats or um, death threats, and that sort of begs the question to the nexus determination. The threats still have to be on account of a protected yeah, but ground. The, but this document makes clear they're not pers they don't say we persecute people because they won't work for us. 
he has been he has been he's disturbing the national security he's distorting the reputation of the resistance fighters uh, he must be persecuted his family blockaded it's perfectly clear that, that, that he is an enemy of the people as the Islamic Jihad a rogue source of discord I don't see what possible ambiguity there could be in their motive and um. I still think that that doesn't answer the question uh, with respect. They might send this because he, he what he hadn't paid uh, he hadn't paid for a a glass of water or something or what? I, I, Why do you think they sent it? I I don't know. No idea. It was it was a letter no left under the door that refers to politics or religion or anything like that. Could be totally independent. Totally apolitical, a religious, some private quarrel having nothing to do with anything. That's your position. I'm sorry, I didn't understand. The question was, what could the letter have been sent because of? If it's not political and, re and or religious, what could possibly be the motive for sending a letter like this? And I, I'm sorry, perhaps I misspoke. I didn't say that the letter wasn't. Uh, but you did say mm. that there's I no sign that what's happening to him is on account of his political views. And this letter says, actually, yes, it is. I said that the record doesn't compel the conclusion that what happened in the past or that what he fears in the future was or will be on account of a protected ground. And we have the other evidence in the record, including his testimony that other individuals were attempted to be recruited at the university. So there's no evidence that the recruitment efforts um, were specific to him or a characteristic of him. But the point and is, I seem to be missing the point totally. The point is, he refused to be recruited on a ground which led them to beat him because he'd identified himself as an enemy. He's Fatah. He's not, he's not Hamas or Islamic Jihad. And so they beat him up and then they, then they call for his persecution. It's not because he refused to be recruited. It's because he, he, he revealed himself, because of the ground of his refusal, to be the enemy. He doesn't agree that you know, Israel should be destroyed. It, there's no evidence. You get killed by these people if you're Arab, right? There, there was no indication that he re, uh, revealed his Fatah affiliation um, during the, any of the three incidents he described. He said that uh, he wanted peace, and they responded to him uh, that he was a coward, which doesn't um, – well, that could uh, perhaps lead to an inference that they were aware. No kidding. Um, it really could lead to an inference. But well, that's quite coward, a concession on your part. But, of course, it's not discussed by the immigration judge or the board. I – so they didn't consider the possibility of that inference. Certainly not in their opinions, maybe in their private thinking. And the issue before this court is whether substantial evidence in the record supports their determination. Evidence actually to support the board. And I see that my time is up. Well, thank you very much. Sorry to harass you, but you know, not as bad as we're not as bad as the Islamic Jihad when it comes to harassment. So, do you have anything further, Ms. Shepard? Okay, well, thank you very much to both counsel, and we'll uh, stand.